Is this thing on? Cool. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Uncultured the Podcast. I'm your host, Kripa, here to add a little bit of culture weeks. This week's episode is a little different. Um, I sat down with Yamuna Shiva from Saffron Weddings and I'm having a little bit more of an intimate chat to talk about her upbringing, growing up with strict parents, uh, unequal treatment of siblings based on gender, arranged marriage being put on the table, and just we cover it all. So here's Yamuna. I just wanted to pop a content warning before we start. We do briefly touch on topics related to mental health and suicide, so definitely uh, check out our other episodes if this episode isn't for you. I also just wanted to make a quick announcement here. Uncultured is expanding. We're going to have a new podcast series. So every second week, there's going to be a normal Uncultured episode where I interview guests and we platform diverse voices. But just to balance out the series, I teamed up with the amazing, intelligent and insightful. Uh, Hi, my name is Priya, who you would have probably heard of from one of our earlier episodes or from TikTok where she's got half a million followers and is absolutely killing the game. We've teamed up to do a fortnightly podcast called Are the Aunties Listening? So you'll get your fortnightly dose of gossip, drama, um, answering all your questions, being a little bit of an advice column, but if you know anything about me, I'm not sure if I'm the right person to give advice, but I think that kind of makes it better. Priya is a little bit more level-headed than I am, <laughs> but I'm very, very, very excited for this project. Um, it's something to keep us going during lockdown, so definitely support us. Definitely check it out. Keep tabs on it. Our first episode will go live next week, so Mark your calendars. Anyway, let's get into this episode. Um, Yamuna, so <laughs> you are my internet friend. Yeah. And you live in Perth, Western Australia. Um, lockdown hasn't hit you guys yet, and Touchwood hopefully it doesn't. You've just had a baby and you are running a business on the side. I know that your life took a pivot. You're not even your life, your mindset took a pivot after you got married. Have you grown, did you grow up in Perth? Tell me what your life was like. Yeah. So I was, yeah, born, brought up in Perth. There was a little period when I was about, I think four or five, um, that we did move to India just because my dad was still working in Japan. So, and my mum had basically, it was typical arranged marriage where it was like, he was from like another country. My mum was more like from India, but more the rural side so it's like the exposure wasn't wasn't a lot so for her to move to Australia not know English and things like that and have two kids it just felt like okay you know she was obviously finding it lonely here so retaining culture was a huge thing for them so it was like you know if we leave if we at least raise them for a few years there then it'd be easier to pick up the language and pick up a bit of tradition and things like that it was a typical typical sort of strict upbringing of you know, academics is number one, <laughs> which which was easy when you've come out of an Indian school because obviously they do exams every year when you're like four um, and then you come here and it's like, oh, life's easy. Like we don't even need to do homework. Um, 
Do you think moving to India, especially at that age, kind of brought made you uh, adopt values that you might not have adopted had you have stayed here, or did your parents kind of parent differently given that they were there? In our case, because my dad was still kind of um, doing business and things like that, he wasn't as present as my mum would be, and because my mum only knew like Tamil. It's like that's what we were talking. So it's like automatically we just picked it up, more like her values without having that um, Western exposure that she never had either. So it's almost like we did grow up in a sort of traditional way anyway. It's like a direct copy of my mom <laughs> until a certain stage. Once I grew up and once I got married and things like that, you start making your own opinions and beliefs and things like that. So things have changed now. But granted, it did take a long time. It didn't change when I was in high school. It didn't change when I was in uni. It's literally just after marriage, after I moved out and you kind of look back and you're like, oh, I don't really agree with that anymore. <laughs> I was like the most typical crude high school kid. I was like, all right, look, I'm going to study really hard. Funny thing is because I was at a selective school, I was actually closer to the bottom of the pack uh, because everyone was like a like genius. It's interesting because I still had the, the values you're talking about where you're just a you copy paste from your parents and you don't adapt to the environment because you're like, this is, this is right. I'm like, I committed to not ever having one sip of alcohol until I was 45. No tattoos. Gave my friend the silent treatment for like a week because she had done weed or something. And I was just like, looking back, it's just, there's always a turning point for me. Obviously it wasn't marriage. For me, it was I think it might have been just the the freedom of university. You mentioned that it was marriage. Did you grow up with siblings? Yes. So I have an older brother. Um, yeah, it was very, the upbringing was very strict and traditional, but it also meant it followed the whole thing of how the boys don't really get as much uh, rules or it's implied. Yeah, the rule is for both of you. But then if the boy does step aside, it's like, mm, whatever, <laughs> like you'll be fine. Um, I, I mean, it's funny you talk about you talked about alcohol and stuff that is literally me to the t I mean it, yeah it was I, I mean I still haven't touched it really but more because yeah but more because um because I made the whole realization a lot later like you know mine was more around say past 25 that I started going hang on a second it's not that you're a bad person that's just to make that realization realize there are good people there are very close friends of mine who do of course drink and I'm still friends with them like it's okay I made that realization realization so late that it's like I'm I'm at a point where I'm actually not even interested to try it so I'm past that phase of wanting to experiment and like go out and things like that so it's like oh, okay a, a bigger part of that mindset pivot isn't necessarily partaking in it or you going out and getting drunk it's more you being okay with the like people around you yeah because I always felt like I was quite judgmental we have these expectations of the people around us and it's like no one owes us yeah. their values an explanation yeah or or an yeah. explanation exactly yeah. and speaking of that as well even one thing that comes along with alcohol is also um outfits and things like that you know no arms and nothing below the knee visible and it's like and yeah I did the whole judgment thing because you're grown up in that thing of this is what is right it's natural when you look at someone who's not doing that, but someone who is brown as well. And then to think like, oh, that pivot also happened for me a lot later. And I think it could have been because I got married young and all that sort of stuff that it delayed the whole um, realizing things for myself. Like everything was so sheltered and protected for a long time that now if I was to like look out and I see someone, I don't see what they're wearing as a, as a first thing in my mm. mind. 
because it doesn't matter. Um, and yet, because it happened so late, I'm just so comfortable in the way I dress now that I've never bothered experimenting again. Like, it's just, it's funny how that works. <laughs> I think it's just so late in my life. I just don't bother with it. It makes you know? sense. I mean, you've, you've ha- kind of had your development and your foundational stuff all cemented. And by the time you're 25, obviously there's room to change if you want to, but there isn't that kind of desire or need. Yeah, the need, yeah. So you said you married young. So you went to university. What was uni like? life like for you since you weren't necessarily your typical like Australian uh, university student? Yeah, I think, you know, when a lot of... Um, a lot of people and my friends and everything, we were all graduating high school at the same time. And it is like uni is seen as this like, oh, freedom kind of thing. You know, everyone looks forward to it. And genuinely, I knew that like, I knew that life was strict. I didn't have any intention of being like, I'm going to be a rebel, like as soon as I get into uni or anything. But it did feel like, oh, it's probably a whole new world out there. Like, let's let's see what happens. But then you get into dentistry. <laughs> it's like full on. There is no time. Like there wasn't even time to do electives because they literally pack your whole week, right? So imagine you're going in literally eight to five every day and it's a full day. There's not even time in between to be like, oh, I've got a class in the morning and one at 4 p.m. I'll go like do something fun. None of that. And it just carried on every year. And that's five years later. So by the end of five years, I'm like 22, 23. There was a low point, And I think this happens in a lot of, a lot of situations where, look, I, I have no shame in admitting that I did dentistry because my parents wanted me to, you know, and I think a lot of like South Asians deny that. <laughs> Imagine you've got an older brother who is very academic and it's, he literally doesn't do any other hobbies. Like academics is his hobby. <laughs> like studying is what he does in his free time. Um, and then he gets his two years oldest. So obviously you're watching him do like the UMAT and everything and he's getting into medicine. So automatically I have this thing of even though, like even through school, even though I never liked maths, I would then try to be really good at maths because he was getting really good marks when he was in year seven. And I'd be like, when I get to year seven, I better get a better mark than him because that way I'll feel accepted. It was never like a thing of you must get good grades, but it's like something I just did to myself because of what I was seeing. And I think, I think I took it as like acceptance means uh, being really good academically. The reason I don't, you know, blame my parents or like, you know, my mom or anything like that, like I said, she was just more present. But the reason I don't blame her is that for her, it was very, do you know that feeling of when you don't get given an opportunity to do something? So then you take that as your, this is the one thing I'm going to get. Yes, you live vicariously. Yes. And that's, that's literally what she did. It's like, I mean, her story is very typical of what happens in India, especially back then, which was, you know, the girl would literally get pulled out of school because if you're educated, it means that no one's going to want to marry you in a way, you know, in this rural, rural India sort of thing. So, but she was literally like, no, I need to get to university because if I get to uni, then it means I have a degree in my hand. It means that I can be independent. I think when my grandfather realized that's what's happening, he was like, okay, we better get her married. Otherwise she's going to go out of control kind of thing. So it got to a point where literally her equivalent of year 12 exams she was in school up until that exam happened and all she wanted was to do the exam. And they were like, no, you're getting married because if you do it, then we know you're going to go to uni and that's like your pass. So she just wanted to be a nurse. And so literally that, that was as basic as the, as the drive was in her, which was I'm a girl who's been take, who, has, who has had her freedom basically taken away 
if I have children, especially a girl, I'm going to make sure she gets a really good degree because no one can ever bully her. And that was, that was literally as basic as it was for her. Yeah. And it drove everything in the way she parented. And, you know, there was a time where it's like, I would feel really bad. Like, why are you like this? Like, why can't you, why can't you appreciate that? I like singing, I like music and other things, but like, that was the drive for her. You know, you know, I'd play piano, I play piano, I sing, I play it. I tried a couple of other instruments and things like that, but because I didn't get the visual validation for it. Yeah. It's not like anything bad was said, but I think I didn't get the validation that I would get if I got like 99% in something. So I just, as a child growing up, you just tell yourself, okay, this is what it means to keep your parents happy. Honestly, I'm so surprised that, and I know this is happening, but I'm so surprised that um, in your mom's generation, so that's like our parents' generation, the, that, that's happening. And un- unfortunately, it's actually still happening, but sometimes it's it's very easy to kind of be in this bubble of privilege and think that, oh, that was a long time ago. But I know it's a very high percentage of girls who don't even have the, the access to education. So I, I just, it, it's firstly incredible that your mum was able to recognise that it's something she wanted. And secondly, I think there's, yeah, that element of being able to forgive and say, look, it's not, it's not her stopping you from living at your dreams it's just it's just how her life was kind of taken away from her yeah yeah it's pretty and I guess the conviction can come sometimes make you blind to other stuff in front of you which is natural yeah Um, and uh, you know when you were asking whether this is what I wanted to do that's literally why up until year 12 I was you know by then my brother had already got his T at I mean, T is the equivalent of HSC, I think, for East. Oh, so T-E-R was the, I think. what you guys Oh, ATAR, yeah, yeah. Oh, T-E-R, yeah. Yeah, so um, that he had already obviously got it two years before me. So everything he did was like my benchmark of, okay, I better aim for somewhere near. And I kid you not, in year 12, I was struggling so bad. I was like, I can't do this. I literally felt like, what if, what if I don't get into medicine or dentistry like what's going to happen to me then how did you meet your husband because you say you did dentistry you were 22 23 well actually before we get into that you almost got an arranged marriage so because of the whole like I said I grew up in this household where it was like like I never questioned things because if I did then I probably would have been rebellious I just never questioned it I was like this is life and this is great um so I always knew the idea of arranged marriage was going to pop up just because that's what my parents did and I have a feeling in my family I probably was one of the first yeah probably one of the first few who didn't do an arranged marriage like it was just part of life all your cousins everyone about your brother because he's older than me he hadn't that hadn't hit him yet it was the whole thing of you're the girl and you're only two years younger so you're first (laughs) Um. um yeah and I remember final year dentistry so I was 22 or turn about to turn 23 I think and yeah it like came up as a conversation and I actually entertained it because my parents weren't they were very clear that they weren't going to force it on me like they were literally it was almost like matchmaking and I was so sheltered to a point I didn't even talk to boys so as if I was going to like get a husband. Yeah, sure. Like find me someone because I'm not talking to anyone on my own. Um, so then they, yeah, were like, okay, how's, we're just going to introduce you to people. Like you talk to them, you get to know them, take six months if you want to, but just let us know if you think he's a good guy and we'll like proceed. If you don't like him, that's fine. We'll just find another one. <laughs> I mean, people, I understand why people entertain it. Maybe not at 22, but yeah. like you know, people like who are older, I feel like, it's, I mean, I would, if I was 30 and single, I definitely would be like, yeah, sure. Like, 
don't yeah, mind meeting I think whoever. by then you have a bit of like, yeah, like even my friends and stuff who are like unmarried, it's like they're so open to these things because they see that it's like that is just another way of meeting someone. Like it's nothing to exactly. be. I think that's where it stems from. Imagine you're spending your whole life looking for validation. This is another thing of like if I just marry the one you get me, then of course you'll be happy. <laughs> you know, I think you forget that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if they're going to be happy or not. Like that took me years to realize. Here I am willingly, openly. I was even talking to someone at the time. So he wasn't he wasn't in Australia. So it's like I had already started just, I was very reluctant though because I was really annoyed at the fact that he's not, he was in New Zealand. And I was like, why can't, what if he's, what if he's catfishing me? <laughs> yeah. So I kept like postponing this whole chat and everything with this guy. It was just an email, literally. And I remember, my, I think my dad even like took my email address, started the first convo because I wouldn't do it. And I think he sent him an email and I was like, what your you dad? Yeah, because I got like a reply back and I was like, <laughs> who the hell is this? <laughs> like, I just started the convo for you because I thought you were like oh feeling shy. And I was like, <laughs> was he hot at least? I don't, I don't know if he'll ever come across this, but I'm not sure. I think I'll just say yes, just to. <laughs> just <yeah>. to appease. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, I was. Super traditional in the sense, like, you know, budgeons, size center, everything was a part of my life. Basically, my husband went to the one in the south and we lived north, so I went to the north one. We never, ever had, like, connections because you rarely have kind of joint events. But what we did have was a youth camp. And so we were all going. And I was uh, one of the youth leaders for my center and he was doing one of the one of the roles in his center. So because we went to this camp, we had like a meeting after the camp where all the leaders were to come together. Like I said, I don't talk to guys. Like that's, I was still 22 and I was like, I don't, I don't engage in conversations. Like I'll be polite, but I'm never going to like make him a friend. I mean, I, I would have had like guys in dentistry who obviously you talk to, but they were never friends to a point of like confiding or anything like that. Yeah. You would never confide. Yeah. 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 It wasn't super close or anything like that. Um, yeah. Uh, I'd basically be really like I used to think I used to think that if I was to be a friend with a guy and then he's going to like one day ask me out, then it's like I'm I'm guilty. So I would always I would always be at a distance like I would keep them as friends, but I wouldn't get close. Yeah, Um, because of this whole fear, like what am I going to do? Like how am I going to tell my parents like this happened to me? Not even that I said, okay, just the fact how will I tell like what will my mom think of me if she realized and I remember someone in the South put him in charge of something and they were like, oh, yeah, just ask Gamana like about the details. And then he like private messaged me and I was like, why are you private messaging me? Like, don't you dare. <laughs> like, and now we're married and we have a baby. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's literally where I... Wait, how did it develop? You half finished the story. I know. I, th- <laughs> I, think, I think that um, he was very... I think I was so low in self-confidence um, that I, because I hadn't been out and about, I wasn't talking to guys. I just never thought, I just was at a point where I was like, no one would ever like me anyway, which is why I entertained the conversation. And he was talking to me thinking I was interested, hence why I kept talking. Oh. Whereas I had in my mind been like, surely I'm not in his, like, surely I'm just a friend friend. Yeah. So maybe he really just likes my company as a friend. Yeah. <laughs> That's so um, interesting. Because I completely, like, I was, yeah, I was just blind. <laughs> completely blind. <laughs> Basically, having a boyfriend was sort of out of the question. Like, I, I never felt like I could go home and be like, hey, I met someone. Like, that was just, you know, out of the question. But they did, I think they had an inkling when we were growing up that, hey, these kids, you know, all their friends and all our family friends, they seem to have boyfriend, girlfriend. 
friends, like our kids might do something like that. So if they do, how do we rein it in? So then they were like, just letting you know, this was, this was way before I met him. This was when I was like 15. Yeah. They're like, just letting you know, if you ever do meet someone, it's good if he's Tamil and if he's Hindu. And the weird thing is my husband literally fit the whole, like all the ticks for that. Yeah, just in terms of being Tamil, speaking Tamil, being from the same like district in Tamil Nadu as well, like really? that far. Yeah, that's why I felt confident to continue when I realized, okay, this is more than just friends. I felt confident in the sense of, okay, this should keep my parents happy. Um, it didn't. That's another question. But <laughs> really, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, my parents were going to arrange me, and and the thing of you're a dentist, hence you need to then marry someone who is above you in a way you know, because you're the wife and no man who's below you is going to be able to handle a marriage with you because their ego would clash. So it was all that sort of stuff, you know. So when it came to arrangements, it was literally only doctors and uh, sometimes engineers, but it would be doctors or dentists or lawyers. And I was just like, but these are random people I don't know. So what does your husband do? He's he's now a podiatrist, <laughs> but at the time he was he was also in his final year of doing commerce. So again, it was a thing of he's not settled. Like Yamuna, we wanted you to finish dentistry so that by the end of this year, you're actually literally it was a thing of your high school and then uni, and then as soon as you finish uni, you're almost like about to get married to another guy, kind of thing. There was no freedom period. Is probably what they were thinking. If we let her out of the house, like she's going to get too much freedom, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so at the time, imagine a guy still at uni studying commerce which in their mind was like not going to be like they just felt no if you marry a guy like in commerce then he's going to have ego clashes with you he's never going to be able to accept that you're a dentist that's the sort of conversation that would happen and again it's like they like when I look at when I look listen to their stories and look at why they're coming across and saying all this yes it, it was very hurtful and I was very angry at the time but looking back I'm like that's again no one wants to be a certain type of parent but they do it because they see patterns they see things in people around them that they go this if this is this happens in this way then this is how it's going to end up so therefore we better stop it we better protect our baby before she gets hurt you you mentioned that once you kind of got married and you found something which you didn't expect to find and in a place where you didn't expect to find it it kind of opened your eyes up to like a whole new world tell me about that um now that like I guess with any relationship especially when you live together the first like year or two is is obviously a lot of learning and it leads to a lot of conflict basically it took me a process to try to get my parents to be like no this is who I want to be with and then after that it meant what will society say if they catch you outside with him so you should get married soon and like I didn't question anything I because I, now that I look back it's almost like we had to do the like the when you explore each other and you learn more about each other we had to do the after marriage so of course you get into this thing of like oh my god what have I done because you're almost like like it's almost like before marriage you feel like I'm still free to make a decision so you don't you don't get so caught up in conflicts as much as you would when you feel stuck in a way one other thing was religion as well so I went from being this could be the first time I'm announcing this to the world. It's not like I officially I'm like I'm an atheist or anything. I guess I'm still Hindu in the sense of identity. I just I would still kind of say that, but it's just I'm not religious like, you know, I used I used to pray every single day. Again, copy and paste of my mom because my mom would pray every single day. And I literally thought, wow, good on mom for like being, although there's a parent who's the opposite, 
for being able to raise two kids in like this way, basically on her own, like good on her. Like she taught us Tamil, she taught us like praying, she thought, taught us about gods and things like that. For me, it was uh, veganism that made me like turn on Hinduism, which is, I still, people are like, what? There's like no connection there, but <laughs> but it's because like. dairy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was partially, there was a lot of like questions I had, again, all after 22 like well into marriage and it had nothing to do with marriage itself. I think, I think it was just the fact that I had not stepped out of a particular environment that I wasn't in anymore. And obviously I'm now with someone who has a lot more of like liberating thoughts and beliefs and things like that. And in the beginning, like a couple of years where he would tell me those things and he'd be like, Hey, I'm being a bit judgy and stuff. I'd be like, no, I'm not. You're just dumb. So he never like forced it on me, but I think living with someone like that, he kind of realized, hang on a second. He's got a point. Like that's really rude to make a judgment on someone without knowing them um I would not have the friends I have now some of my closest friends I probably wouldn't have them if I was still the person I was when I was living at home I I think like that's something you know when it comes to uh you know we've got a baby girl now and it's like something that I think I hope that she has a bit more of a revelation but I hope that she realizes she doesn't need to just pick you know like in my case it was okay I now like someone but I don't want to be someone who's had so many boyfriends. So like marriage is the ultimate goal. And I, I remember telling him, he was like, what the hell? Like the first date. Oh my God. And he stayed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> to a date. And I'm like, that. why would you stay with a psychopath like me? Like I literally like held you to your word. I mean, fair as well. Fair as well for you to know that you're not going to, you know, you're not going to step down from what you believe in. Yeah. But... Having said that, it also meant like I have no idea what else is out there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And you never will. And I never will. <laughs> You've got a child now. <laughs> so you say that your life kind of started changing because you spent more time around him. You started questioning uh, religion. Um, you went vegan. You started being less judgmental, all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't necessarily being with him, but it was kind of just away from an environment which has fostered so many of those beliefs and thoughts um, growing up. What I'm interested in is you then, you then kind of somewhat, not necessarily rethought, but you kind of reevaluated um, your career path as well. Basically, in terms of career, when I was finishing year 11, year 12, I, at the time, was like, I mean, I still sing. And I had a friend who actually moved to, you know, Melbourne to do singing. But I was also like, I was like, even talking to her, I was like, let's move to LA. Granted, now looking back and I'm like, well, yeah, with with the lack of confidence I had, I probably wouldn't have gone far, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) But it was just this idea of like, I literally felt if I go into dentistry, I'm stuck. I felt like I'm trapped for life. Um, because I thought there was no other escape. Did you enjoy it? No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) My mom did this thing of like every year that would pass in dentistry. Imagine five years of literally hating a degree. Every year that would pass, she'll be like, one more year, just try it. And then you can leave if you don't want it. But no, it, it had some dark moments because yeah, there were times when I was, uh, contemplating, not to a serious degree of ending my life, but to a point of thinking there's that's the only escape because it felt like it felt like either I either I you know do certain things to keep keep up the family name 
I mean, there's now a doctor in the family. Like I surely can't do something that's even close, like not even near him. Otherwise, what would people think of my family? Um, So it got to a point where, it got to a point where the thought was in my head, but at the same time, I kept telling myself, no, 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 why should I, why should I leave this planet just for that? Like it, it was a very. Mm. But even having the thought in the first place, I think, uh, first yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry that you've, no, um, okay. that you've gone through that. But I also think that it's just a testament to the fact that a lot of us um, aren't necessarily given a third option. It's this or this. And or in fact, it's just the one option. It's this. And then that's why the second option is created of, right, I just don't want to be here, right? It's weird because afterwards I did, like, I hated the degree and everything. I didn't know what life was going to be after. But looking back, though, once I graduated, um, I am grateful, though, that my parents, mainly my mom, did push me for dentistry because it meant it meant that I now can work part-time. And it's a job that, you know, it's a job I can easily adapt to. It's creative. It's a lot of stuff that I would do. Like naturally, I'm, I'm, I have a more creative side. I like art. I like crafts, things like that. So dentistry is, you know, they, they say it's an art and science put together because there is a lot of, you know, sculpting, building. Fillings are basically like a sculpture <laughs> they got to build. So you do have a side hustle. So Saffron Weddings is like a platform for bridal vendors or wedding vendors to kind of come together. And it's like a one-stop shop directory. I guess my question is, did did your time off work because you were pregnant kind of propel you into it? Um, no. So Saffron Weddings actually started um, about, I think it was around end of 20s or early 2018. So I was literally, I remember my brother was about to get married. And so my sister-in-law was looking for like um, henna artists and stuff in Perth. And literally it was look, it was on Gumtree. I don't, Marketplace wasn't... I think, I think it was there, but it wasn't like common or big. Um, so it was on Gumtree. And I remember her having to find a henna artist for her wedding day on Gumtree. And these people were putting up photos of just from the internet. It wasn't even their work. I started thinking to myself, oh, there's all these wedding websites. And I was like, oh, why is there no actual website, like a wedding website? It's, it's a big industry. And hey, what if I make a website that like has vendors? It was the craziest, most at the time, I was like, this is such a stupid idea. But you know what, Yamuna, you've got time. You're working part-time as well. I put together a random website. Till even then, I thought it was a stupid idea. Until Instagram, slowly I would like, you know, reshare people's work. And then they'd be like, oh, my God, this is such a good idea. And I'd be like, really, is it? Like, <laughs> I would tell myself if it was good, then someone would have started it. Someone with money. I didn't even know how to use Instagram to like get the right kind of organic traffic, anything like that. Until, yeah, I was pregnant last year and I thought to myself, and obviously by then I've been working several years, I've obviously got savings and stuff, and I thought, you know what, like this is an actual thing that is in need and I'm just lucky that till date, although I've been not taking it seriously, others haven't, like people with the means and with the web background haven't actually come and done it, you know, a lot quicker than me and made this a proper website. I thought this is my chance to actually like make it serious. And I just had to jump on the fact that it was the only website in Australia like that. I'm like, I can't let this go. Is the end goal to kind of, you said that you want to keep doing dentistry in some capacity. Is the end goal ever to make a side hustle full time? For sure, I'd be more than happy if it became full-time. Um, like I said, I had a lot of like internal uh, questions to myself where I thought, 
it's like I felt bad to give up. If there was a day I gave up dentistry, I felt like what like what are you doing? I kept thinking like what would people think about you? Um, but now obviously I'm at a stage where I'm like, I don't care what people think about it. Even if things go badly, I've got something to back me up. So that's, yeah. that is my freedom in a way of like, I can do what I want because I can fall back on something if I. Which I guess is is the good side of kind of being in a degree that you may not necessarily have liked in the first place. It's I think I'm just grateful that I actually am good at it now and I like it because I'm good at it. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, I think that's all we have time for. Thank you so much for your vulnerability, your time. Um, it was really nice chatting with you. Thank you I'm so sure much. I'm sure someone somewhere has taken something away from this and related. You can follow Yamuna at saffron underscore weddings on Instagram where she makes some killer content. Um, or, and also, yeah, if you are getting married um, in Australia, anywhere in Australia, do check out saffronweddings.com.au um, and let me know your feedback as well because – I love to know what brides actually think of it so that I can improve it and make it actually useful for people. So please let me know what you think of it as well. I know it's a bit hard to think about during these COVID times, but it's best to be prepared. You can follow us at UnculturedPod on Instagram. And I guess we'll see you next week. Bye.